Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The Volume. Charles Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brever and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today, we're going to be doing our NFL contender tiers. We have reached the point of the season where we are so close to the playoffs. We're just going to lay it out there who we buy into most for the postseason, who we are more skeptical of. So, Logan, we've come up with our own terms and conditions for our respective tiers, but who do you have in the lowest tier that we're going to be talking about today? The lowest tier I have uh, are wild card winners, teams that I legitimately think uh, can make the playoffs and can win a playoff game. Uh, I've limited that to four teams, and if you're unhappy that your team's not here, well... My apologies. Uh, I have a lot Write of us teams. an email. Yeah, please. Uh, fax me. Uh, you can hit me on my yeah. beeper. You feel me? Um, mm-hmm. I got a bunch of teams who are just happy to be here. Uh, I just can't imagine them winning playoff games. The first team that I'll start with uh, is a team that I know you're very skeptical of, Carson. And they have been uh, on a pretty good run these past couple weeks. Slipped up last week. Uh, it's the Broncos. The Broncos are sitting at 7-6. and six, uh, Excuse me, uh, two weeks ago is when they lost to the Texans uh, by five. They beat the Chargers uh, with Easton Stick in last week. The Broncos have had a really dramatic turnaround, and I've talked about this throughout the season, Carson, because I think everybody, collectively, across the United States, hopped off the Broncos' bandwagon after the 20-7 to drubbing of the Miami Dolphins. Right after that week, we said... Miami is one of the best offenses in the NFL, maybe ever, and Denver is maybe the worst team in the NFL, and since then, the defense has improved, I think the culture uh, has gotten better, I think Russell Wilson has played good football this year, this isn't a great team, right, and I don't think I'd pick the Broncos to win a wild card game, I think I'd probably pick them to lose, but there is a chance, I feel, with this team, with the veteran experience of Sean Payton, uh, with Russell Wilson leading the helm, trusting him to play mistake-free football, uh, they do have weapons that can make plays in space, right? Cortland Sutton, Samaje Pirine, 
uh, Marvin Mims. Like, there are weapons here that I think can make plays in a big game. And so I can see a formula in which the Broncos play well enough the defense forces turnovers, plays above expectations. Russell Wilson plays mistake-free, uh, efficient football, and the weapons make plays, and I could see them making out a victory. Again, all of these teams in this tier for me, I would say, are unlikely to win a playoff game, but I can see it happening. And so I'll start it off. I know you probably don't have them in this tier, but I can see the Denver Broncos eking out a playoff victory. I don't have them in my lowest tier that we're going to be talking about today, and I think that they're a very solid football team. I absolutely think that they have figured some stuff out, committing more to the run game. I think that they have certainly improved from where they were defensively in that Miami game and overall in that early stretch of the season when it's not just that they started out 1-5. and five, They were losing to bad teams, the Raiders, the Commanders, the Jets. So they have absolutely done a 180. I just still believe that their talent can only take them so far. Russ is managing the game well, but when you see that he has to go out there and try to create and try to win you a football game, he struggles. That's what we saw in the Texans game. Overwhelmingly, they have been winning these games with Russ throwing for sometimes under 100 yards, very consistently under 200 yards. And I think when you're talking about them facing playoff caliber teams, you're going to need more from the quarterback position that I don't believe he can produce at this stage defensively, yes, they have taken strides. I still think they're weak in the trenches, and I think they have been very dependent on the crazy turnover numbers that they forced. We talked about it, but in that five-game win streak, they forced three or more turnovers in four of those games. Their two wins against legitimately good teams, the Chiefs, they had five takeaways. The Bills, they had four takeaways. So, Without those sort of outlier circumstances, I haven't really been convinced by them. I mean, the Browns game was an impressive effort, but that was before the Joe Flacco era when things were really, really rough at quarterback. So the Broncos are fine. Maybe I just have a little bit of a higher bar here, but they don't move me as a team that is going to do anything in the playoffs. Yeah, I understand that. And I think if you are anticipating Russell Wilson having to go above and beyond in a playoff setting, I think that's probably your critique and the defense. Uh, you know, consistently being great because they've been inconsistent all year long. Russ has had a couple good games, but I completely understand. Uh, I completely understand being skeptical about the Broncos, but I'll remain optimistic and uh, I'll give them a fighting chance. Uh, what's the name of uh, What's the name of your first tier? Okay, so my bottom tier is just the not scary tier. <laughs> These are teams that will certainly be in the playoffs in terms of record. They are in the upper third of the league, and maybe they can win one playoff game if they get home field, if they get an advantageous matchup. But in terms of making a multiple game playoff run, I just don't see it. So I'll give you the entire group that I have here. It's the Jags, the Browns, and I actually have these ranked. So out of all the teams on my list, the Jags are 10, the Browns are 9, the mm. Dolphins are 8, and then the Lions are wow. seven. What stands out to you about that? What do you disagree with? That's interesting. I have the Lions and the Dolphins in a tier above these, uh, above some of these other guys. I do agree with you on a few of them. I have the Broncos at number 12. Uh, this is my wild card uh, winner's tier here. At number 11, mm -hmm. I have the Jaguars. At number 10, I have the Packers. And at number 9, I have the Browns. Okay. So I guess I'll explain why I have the Lions and Dolphins down in this tier and not any higher up. I think they both have pretty clear and arguably fatal flaws. 
the Lions, I absolutely, for the most part, believe in that offensive formula still because I think they are so dominant at the line of scrimmage. I think they're very well coached. I think that they are going to dominate on the ground. It's just the trend that we've seen from Jared Goff as of late where he has been less consistent. The decision-making has slipped a bit. He's been much more turnover-prone. Eight turnovers in their last four games. That concerns me if he's not a guy who I feel like you can really trust to consistently do the right thing in a playoff environment. But more concerning is that that defense just flat out isn't good. And we've given the numbers in the last five weeks. They're letting up 28 points per game overall on the year. They're the number 25 scoring defense, number 29 red zone defense. That unit just doesn't inspire any faith in me. And then the Dolphins, I think this Titans loss this past week really exposed them. Because I just don't think they're as good a football team as their record, as their point differential would say. First of all, they weren't moving the ball successfully in that game. Like, they end up with those two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. But both of those are on the back of just insane gaffes by the Titans where they give you the ball inside their own 10. And Miami still found a way to lose that game. They have had the easiest schedule in football. They've beaten one team. With over five wins this year, Logan. And that was the Denver Broncos, who when they played, we were talking about as one of the absolute worst teams in football. They've totally turned it around. But when they met, that was a really bad football team. They've beaten the Chargers, who we just know are not good. The Pats, who are awful. That version of the Broncos. The Giants, who suck. The Panthers, who are probably the worst team in the NFL. The Pats, again, who really, really suck. The Raiders, who suck. The Jets, who suck. The Commanders, who suck. Every time that they have met a good team, they have been pretty convincingly outplayed. They've basically trailed for the entire game. Like, they made it a contest against the Chiefs at the end, but uh, Kansas City came out and took a big lead in that game. And then the Eagles and the Bills, especially the Bills, really manhandled them. And Tua hasn't been good mm -hmm. in those losses and in those games against higher-level competition, giving you 232 yards per game, three touchdowns yep. to three turnovers. So, yeah, they've got nine wins, but the teams they've beaten have a combined mm -hmm. winning percentage of 32 and then I just don't think this defense is good enough to compensate for the fact that although the offense is still really good, I think McDaniel's great. I think the speed is second to none. I think that there is so much talent around Tua, but I do believe still that when you are able to pressure him with four, he has really struggled under that sort of pressure this year. He's good against the blitz. When he can see, all right, well, we're working with a numbers advantage and a guy comes open quickly and maybe it's his first read. He can get that ball out quickly. But if you can force him to extend plays and collapse that pocket around him with four, he really struggles. The Titans game, he couldn't break a tackle. He couldn't extend a play. And that's just mm -hmm. such a limiter from mm -hmm. the quarterback position in 2023, especially when you pair that with unimpressive arm talent. So that continues to uh, put a ceiling on how great this offense can be. I still think it's good in a playoff setting. But then when you're the number 22 scoring defense, haven't been very good situationally, 27th in the red zone. We saw them get marched on in those clutch situations against the Titans. I just don't view them as a very good all-around football team. I agree with a ton of what you said about both of these teams, Carson, but that being said, I do have them in another tier where I can see these teams getting to the conference championship game. I can see the Lions hmm. and the Dolphins both winning two playoff games. Now, I'll start with the Dolphins, and I, like I said, I agree with probably 95% of what you said. You read off a lot of the stuff that I wrote down. Um... The Dolphins are an explosive offense. They are number one in yards per play this year. They are number two overall in scoring offense. Uh, but Tua is limited as a quarterback. In wins, eight games, 21 TDs to 12 turnovers. 
he's been good, but he's been a little reckless too. Again, that's over a turnover per game. And then you mentioned in his losses, three TDs to four turnovers with 232 yards per game. He's only played four games against teams with winning records, one and three, as you mentioned. Uh, and in the Chiefs game, you talk about him, how limited he has as an arm talent, misses that throw to Wilson Jr. that could have won the game. I do trust Tua to be on time, uh, to be accurate. I think he's effective out of play action, but he is a limiting factor for me. Uh, as an arm talent, as a play extender, creator, improviser. And like I mentioned, he's been turnover prone. And I don't trust this defense enough. But this offense is volatile. They can explode. And I think I am a little bit concerned about Tyreek Hill's injury too, the ankle injury yeah. that he sustained last game. I'm going to have to keep tabs on that because I Tyreek is that big of a difference maker to me. I know we've talked oh, yeah. about that all year long. I'm still standing on it. I think Tyreek should be the MVP. I would give it to him right now if the season ended today. If Tyreek is limited or hampered at all, I mean at all by that ankle injury, you can bump the Dolphins down a tier for me. You know, this is not a faith in mm-hmm. Tua thing. This is not a, I, you know, I think their defense is better than what the consensus is. I believe in Mike McDaniels. I believe in the speed here of Waddle, of Hill, of Mostert, yep. of these game-breaking talents, and I believe in the offensive line. I think that collective there, that collection, with Mike McDaniels' creativity, with the speedsters, with the line, I think you can win two playoff games. But I can't consider them real Super Bowl contenders because of Tua and this defense. So I actually don't think you have them in the wrong tier, Carson. For what you went with, Mm-hmm. The Dolphins don't scare me, and I don't think the Lions scare me either, right? I'm not, well, shiver me timbers, you know? I'm not shaking in my yeah. boots over here thinking about Tua and Jared Goff, but I still can't see both of these teams winning multiple playoff games. It's just tough for the Lions because that offense, I do think, is still pretty darn tough to stop, but it's just they are so bad defensively right now. And when I do look at who the Dolphins are going to have to beat in the AFC, mm-hmm. I mean, they're flawed teams. There's no doubt about it. If it's the Chiefs, the Bills, if they can get in, those are flawed football teams. But the Bills can get pressure with four. That's the one thing that they have shown that they can do this year. The Chiefs are going to get pressure. That Ravens defense is just stacked all around. I just think there are teams that are equipped to put together the right formula defensively and then have much better quarterbacks who I'm confident carrying those units in a playoff setting where sometimes you do just rely on that superstar talent. So... That's why I have the Dolphins down here. The Browns, the Jags, I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory. I think the Jags are a team that has above average talent, but as we talked about last week, don't do anything exceptionally well, and they've been on a bit of a skid as of late. And then the Browns, I still think that defense is great. I think Flacco's an upgrade at the quarterback position. Like, that's a formula I believe in more than what the Broncos have because I can say, okay, here's where the Browns are elite. And having something like that to hang your hat on to me is just more valuable than being solid all around. The one team that really interests me in this bottom tier for you before we move on is the Packers because they're going to have the worst record out of any of these teams that we discussed. They were the first team that I left off because I think they have been playing really good football as of late. But why do you view them as a team that can win a playoff game that belongs in these conversations? I think the Packers are really well-rounded. You know, you talk about all these teams, uh, you know, that are special on one side of the ball, and I completely agree with you. That's why I would have the Dolphins, the Lions, and the Browns, right? That's why the Jags and Packers are the two lowest. The Jags, Broncos, and Packers are the three lowest here because I consider Mm -hmm. them all to be pretty average. Uh, The offense has looked a lot better. The skill position talent has looked better. Jones uh, coming back hopefully makes a difference. He's been a non-factor. But A.J. Dillon's been running the ball well. 
it's a culture thing. It's a defense thing. It's not a Jordan Love thing, and I want to be clear about that. Really? Jordan Love's been hooping, though. He's been okay. I think we've collected. He's been hooping! Except for the Giants game. That was rough on all fronts for the Packers, and that's probably the reason that they're not on my list. Yeah, I mean, I just think collectively we can kind of get overzealous on the week-to-week. I don't know, man. A guy puts together three— You know, we're all talking about Tommy DeVito and him eating chicken cutlets or whatever this week. You know what I mean? Like— well, I'm, yeah, I'm not comparing. I mean, he's it's cool. awesome, bro. He's literally no, hanging love, out with Al Capone no, on a sideline. I love Tommy DeVito. It's electric. It's, it's one of the coolest stories of the NFL season, no doubt. Jersey boy burnt, born and raised, and he's leading the Giants to three straight dubs. It's super cool. Soprano's theme as he's walking out. It's tough. And I do think he's he, he might be better than Daniel Jones. You can put that in your back pocket. Um, Not really a hot take. Daniel Jones sucks. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just think we can kind of, we can kind of just jump the gun with quarterbacks. You know what I mean? We can kind of get, get a little, little trigger happy, a little, a little overzealous when we're rating these guys. And I just think a lot of people, after a really good stretch from Jordan Love, wanted to. And I'm not saying it wasn't; it was a great stretch, but it was three games. And I think to, again, expect him to carry this team. It's like, who do I have more faith in at the quarterback position out of all these guys? I have more faith in Russell Wilson. I have more faith really? in Trevor Lawrence. I think I might. I think Jordan Love has played better football than Russell Wilson, certainly in the second half of this year. I'm just saying he's just in, doing more as a creator. No, 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 for a lot sure. more. I'm just saying in terms of consistency, and Russ's ceiling might not be as high, but I just think yeah. that he gives me a stronger baseline. And again, maybe this is a freezing cold take because Jordan Love might go on a a little bit of a run. One of my roommates was talking about putting fifty dollars down on a Packers Dolphins Super Bowl. So I don't know, man. It's a Yikes wide range outcomes he was like yeah man i could win ten thousand dollars i was like yeah no, no, no doubt because no. you're betting on a packers dolphin super bowl yeah he's uh, going to in fact lose whatever amount of money he's gonna <laughs> yes. put down he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna make a donation yeah i just i mean call me crazy i might even like joe flacco in a playoff setting there's just we haven't stop it stop it stop it uh, we haven't seen love on the stage and i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm getting a little on the trigger. stage what you want him Joe Flacco's star elite. In Midsummer Night's Dream. Joe Flacco's Joe Flacco elite, can't bro. move. Okay, he's six seven. He don't need to move. He can see everything, man. That's a ridiculous take. The Packers are like uh, one of the last teams in, but they're they're on the same tier to me as the Jaguars, as the Broncos. They're just like the pinnacle of mediocrity that, with a good enough day, could win a playoff game. I wouldn't count the Packers out from winning a playoff game. Yeah, that's fair, and I think that especially when you're looking at how flawed some of the NFC teams are, like, if they draw the lines, we just saw them outplay that team and beat them straight up on the road. That's not a game that they can't win. They should be in the playoffs with a very easy schedule down the stretch, but they're another team that doesn't really move me again. What are they great at? And the Browns, the Jags, those are just teams that have put together a more complete body of work over the course of this season, whereas the Packers looked really, really rough. And then, yeah, Jordan Love flipping his level for three games absolutely changed their outlook, but they just haven't proven it over the same sample size. Okay, what's your tier above from this, Logan? The next tier that I have, we're sticking with playoff ceiling here with these teams' expectations, and this is conference championship potential. So I can see them getting to a conference title game, and in a dream scenario, I can see them getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, In this tier, at number eight, the Detroit Lions, number seven, the Miami Dolphins, and at number six, 
your Buffalo Bills. We already went over the Lions and the Dolphins. Uh, I'll I'll briefly, because I didn't touch on the Lions a whole lot. I think Jared Goff can play better. I think this defense can play better. I think the Lions will dominate almost any team at the line of scrimmage. And I like their skill talent. Uh, again, yeah. if if Goff isn't shooting them in the foot, and, and the numbers aren't nice. You, you talked about some of them earlier. They're 10th most yards allowed over the last five games. They're tied second in most points allowed over the last five games. Like, this has been a bottom five defense over the last five weeks. And traditionally, not where you want to be heading into the playoffs. So, no, not likely. But again, with the Dolphins and Lions, volatile offenses, there's a chance. The team that I like most in this, and it was so hard, because Josh Allen is such a freak of nature. He is such yeah. a monster. Mm-hmm. Single-handedly, I thought about putting the Bills into the Super Bowl contender conversation. Like, Josh Allen is Superman. I, you yeah. know, we, they used to call... Uh, it used to be Marshall Falk. It used to be Adrian Peterson. Oh, he, he's got a, you know, Superman wears a two and eight on his chest. I love that quote. Yeah. Superman rocks a one and a seven. And I'm not talking about Jake DeLome. I'm not talking about Matt Kenseth. I'm talking about Josh Why Allen. Why would you be? I don't even know who Matt Kenseth is. Former NASCAR driver. He used to whip the yellow oh. and black DeWalt. It was swaggy. But Josh Allen is Superman. I think over the past, I mean, three to four seasons, there's just been nobody that has elevated single-handedly their team and their surrounding talent more than Josh. Yeah. I just can't imagine this team winning the Super Bowl. In my head, when I imagine it, uh, the injuries they've withstained to Trey White, to Daquan Jones, uh, now with Micah Hyde, uh, left with a stinger, but he went down twice against the Chiefs. There's rumors that he might go on injured reserve. The injury to Matt Milano. There's so much stacked up against the Bills. And yet, Josh Allen is so singularly great, I would consider it. But at the end of the day with the Bills, I think there's too many injuries. I still think there's a little too much general dysfunction with this team week to week. And then there's not enough offensive dynamism outside of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs Mm -hmm. for me to bump them into a new tier. Again, not impossible. If you were asking me for an outside team to get to the Super Bowl, I would bet on the Buffalo Bills. But I just... I can't imagine it in my head, so I'm not going to predict it. So it's funny because we are doing different lines of delineation Mm -hmm. for these tiers, but I think our rankings of the top 10 so far have been almost identical. My next tier is the flawed but real scary team where I think the talent or the body of work that we've seen from an individual quarterback who can have such a monstrous impact on a team offense makes it to where if they get hot... They're not a team that you want to see in the playoffs. And I do have the Bills at the bottom of that tier in my sixth spot. Josh Allen is a huge, huge reason for that. He has 35 touchdowns this year. Only six teams have more than that. He is such an unbelievable one-man offense. Mike Greenberg last week did just an awesome, awesome breakdown that I retweeted where he talked about how there's so much focus and emphasis on Josh Allen turnovers and it's always a conversation of Josh Allen is great but with him and he just highlighted how much his brilliance generating positive offensive plays outweighs that where this year he has the second best touchdown versus turnover margin in the NFL only to Dak Prescott over the last four years he's second in touchdown to turnover margin only to Patrick Mahomes. So there is so, so much more good than bad. And that's what I've been preaching for years. You see it with the brilliant team offense. Nobody has scored more points than the Bills over the last four years. So I thought that that was a great little spiel. If anybody hasn't seen it, captured a lot of the things that I've been saying here. But singularly, 
He makes the Bills a scary team, and he has the potential to make the Bills a great team. And as we've talked about, if you don't have a few mind-blowing gaffes, some of which has nothing to do with Josh Allen, if you don't have an extra man on the field, if the defense isn't in this awful form in these clutch scenarios, then this could be a team easily right now that is 10-3. and three. I mean, they have outplayed their opposition, I would say, in 11 of 13 games, and some of that is just bad teams who they should beat up on, but they only beat themselves. That's the reason that they've lost. And if they can cut that out, this is a team that's still top five in point differential, there's a real high ceiling there, mostly because of Josh. Now, this is still the weakest Bills team since before Josh took the leap because of the defensive injuries and the regression that the unit has suffered because of that. Now, they did just play well against the Chiefs, but they were pretty brutal against the Eagles. They couldn't get a stop. And overall, they just haven't been a very good unit. They're 21st in yards per play allowed. They're 18th on third down, 20th in terms of red zone situations. Trending upwards a bit, sure, but they're missing so many core talents on that side of the ball that I just can't buy in on this being the defense that we've seen the last couple years, which, by the way, already didn't play up to its regular season level in the postseason. But it's really just about Josh, dude. I look at any game on the rest of their schedule, and I think Josh Allen single-handedly can win that for you. The Cowboys, there's no question Dallas is a better football team, but the Bills have Josh Allen, and that is going to keep them in any game if he plays up to his level. The Dolphins, I legitimately think that they're better than right now. I expect them to beat the Dolphins. I think they have a legitimate chance somehow still to win this division. So it is really just the Josh Allen factor that keeps them here for me, but yeah. The run game is too inconsistent. The receiving talent outside of Diggs is too inconsistent. And even he had a really rough showing this past week. The offensive line is too inconsistent. The defense isn't that good. Like this is just a Josh Allen bet, but he is that exceptional that I think the Bills belong in this tier. I got three follow-up questions for you on the Bills. Uh, First one, if the Bills were to make a conference championship or Super Bowl run, Allen and Diggs being one and two, who is the third most important player on the roster to a title run? Oh, that is a phenomenal question. I think it's probably Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver has just been an awesome disruptor on the defensive line. Although I do think there are a couple of offensive contributors who have the potential to pop off when you're talking about skill position guys. James Cook has gotten increasingly more involved in the receiving game and has been really efficient as a runner. And outside of a couple fumbles has been a really, really good running back. And then Dalton Kincaid, we've seen grow his role in this offense and is really good in space for a tight end. Just a really, really solid receiving option. But I think it's probably going to have to be a defensive player who goes crazy. I look at that front. Leonard Floyd would be the other guy who's maybe just the most dynamic Mm -hmm. pure pass rusher. If they get a real consistent difference maker on the defensive side of the ball, then, you know, that could change their ceiling a bit. I like that pick. I've always liked Ed, and I'm, I'm glad to see him. He's been come. great this year. I would have picked him. I remember my take from that draft. I was like, I'd take Bosa one, and I'd take Oliver two. I, I loved mm-hmm. him coming out of Houston. Uh, my two follow-ups, so they're both on McDermott. If the Bills win a playoff game, I'm going to ask this from two different perspectives. If the Bills okay. win a playoff game, do you think McDermott gets fired? And this isn't you, because I'm going to ask your opinion in a minute. Do you think the Bills fire him if he w- musters a playoff win? No. 
I think it's going to take a lot for the Bills to fire him, unfortunately, even though he has recently been exposed as a 9-11 enthusiast, not on the right side, and apparently a narcissist, all this bad stuff on top of just being a bad clock management guy, not a very good situational coach, a guy who's not bringing mm-hmm. any sort of offensive innovation when that's what this team probably needs to take the ultimate leap. They just love him. The ownership, the Pagulas, and he's extended through 2028. So that's a big old contract. Mm -hmm. So no, if they win a playoff game, regardless of what I think should happen, he will not get fired. For you, right off the heels of that, does it make a difference to you uh, of what should happen at the end of the season if the Bills win a playoff game or not? Like, would it make a difference for you? I think it depends on how things go. Like, if he is able to really dial up some Mm -hmm. unbelievable defensive performance in terms of play calling and strategy and overcome the talent deficit and, like, the Bills really heat up on the back of that defense being Mm -hmm. so improved, then maybe. But I don't think that my fundamental view on this is going to change, which is McDermott is a guy who is a floor raiser, who is going to bring a culture, who is going to improve your defense initially, And for this team to reach the level they want to be at, which is winning Super Bowls, you need a guy who is going to give you an actual offensive edge and bring something new Uh in terms of innovative play calling. And that's why I think like Ben Johnson would be awesome. This would be the best coaching job to come available in a while, man. Oh, yeah. Like coaching Josh Allen, a (laughs) lot of people will come out of the woods for that opportunity. They'll sort of have their pick of the litter. And that part to me is really appealing as well. Well, that's why I think it's so imperative that the Bills move quickly on this new coach uh, search. You know, if it's a new offensive coordinator that will really maximize Josh, if it's a new head coach that will dramatically change everything, you know, we tend to forget Josh Allen has been one of the two best quarterbacks in football for, you know, four Four years. years. Yeah, three years and four years running at this point. Josh is already 27 years old. So when you're talking about McDermott not being up until 2028, what I'm saying is you just don't want to waste another four years of, this is just prime. You were going to get a beautiful eight-year stretch of some of the highest level quarterback play we've ever seen in NFL history. And you just don't want to go to waste that with a guy who ultimately can't get you to your ceiling. And I trust you more more than anybody else on the Bills, Carson. If you think that McDermott is a real legitimate limiter to the Bills getting to a Super Bowl, then I'm 100% with you that they shouldn't waste any more time on the guy. And it's not just you too, man. It's like a, to me, the McDermott dilemma is really, really similar to the Mike Tomlin dilemma in terms of these coaches that have been so successful. And with Tomlin, obviously, it's a little bit different because the Steelers have just been a class organization since 1970, since the Super Bowl era, right? Yeah. So it's a little bit different. Tomlin didn't have to directly restore and completely rebuild the culture the way that McDermott did when he came in here because it was in the toilet. But it's a similar dilemma is you mm-hmm. wonder, can these guys get you over the hump, right? The Steelers yeah. haven't won a playoff game in seven years. Uh, the Bills, you know, just <laughs> have blown incomprehensible playoff games. So I, I don't know, man. It, it I, I just don't want to see Josh get wasted. You know what I mean, man? You got four yeah. years of some of the greatest QB play ever, man. You cannot yeah. let it waste away, man. You've got to get one ring out of this guy. Yeah. I'm hundred percent with you. And it's the same philosophy that I preached about Ken Dorsey. It's not a question of, 
oh man, is this guy the worst in the league at his job or is he bottom five or even bottom 10 necessarily? If you have an average coach, if you have a mediocre play caller, you got Josh Allen, man. Do better than that. Like you should be striving for the best and you will have an opportunity to get the best because of how appealing a situation it is to work with him, to work with a quarterback of this caliber. So that's why... I am in favor of them moving on for McDermott, but it is tough because they've paid him and he's definitely got some credit with the organization because they have been winning under him, which the Bills just haven't done in a long time. I just don't feel he's very responsible for that success anymore at this point. In the NBA, the game can change in an instant, but no matter how the action unfolds, you know DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting 5 bucks on basketball. Win or lose, you get an instant dub. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I have two more teams in this tier, Logan, and I do consider the Bills a cut below these other two, but they do scare me in terms of their upside in a playoff situation because of Josh Allen, but I have the Chiefs here in my five spot, which is a step down from where they've been. I have consistently felt that that's still a top two, top three team in football when you're looking at a playoff setting because I've said this is by far the best defense of Patrick Mahomes' career. And it is. It is an elite defense. And we've seen it against really good offenses. I mentioned last week, when they've played top six offenses, they've held them to 17 offensive points per game. They just played a really good game against the Bills. They are just consistently excellent. They're seventh in yards per play allowed. They're also very disciplined. They have the second fewest penalties defensively. Number one in pressure rate, the second fewest missed tackles. Like, they're just sharp and they're talented. That secondary has been better than expected. The linebackers have continued to improve. And then Chris Jones in that front, really, really good. They've only allowed 24 more points twice this entire season. The most they've let up was 27 to the Packers. And Patrick Mahomes has led this offense to average 32 points per game in the playoffs since 2018. So you think if they can keep teams to 20 points per game... In the playoffs, like theoretically under Mahomes, that's all you need. He is going to get you over the top. I just don't think this is the same offense. I think that this receiving core is legitimately concerning enough to where we've seen they can explode offensively in the same way. They've been a slightly above average offense, and that has nothing to do with Mahomes, who I still think has been great. It's just the reality of the situation. So if those guys can just keep from actively screwing things up, and if they cannot suck for three to four games... I still think this team can win the Super Bowl because of the defense and Mahomes combination, but I'm more concerned about it now because the trend has not gotten better with that receiving core. I think for the most part, we agree on these tiers. I have them in a different order, and we're going to have to leap from the Bills tier where the Bills rank at number six. They are in my conference championship uh, potential. 
Again, like I said, I think the Bills have a higher ceiling. I'm just not going to predict it. So we jump to Super Bowl contenders, and that is where okay. I think the Chiefs lie. And this probably isn't the time to make this take, but I still have the Kansas City Chiefs as my second best team in football. I, I, I like it. I'm good with it. You know, I and I know that's not consensus because, you know, after the Kadarius Tony screw up, the offsides, all this drama. And I do want to make this clear, too. I don't think this is a good look for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think this is a good look for Patrick Mahomes. I said it on the show. Andy Reid said the exact same thing that I said in the presser. I worked chain gang at my high school from 8th grade to 11th grade. Yeah. I worked. I, I got paid 25 bucks a night. It was not enough. <laughs> I was out there in the cold. But... I was going to be at the football games anyway. I got a paycheck, and I got to be real close to the game. So it was a ton of fun. And I did that for four years from 8th grade to 11th grade until my senior year when I got to do PA announcing for football, for soccer, for basketball. That was a ton of fun. Thanks for the resume. Every snap, every snap, no matter if I was the box guy moving the numbers or if I was one of the chain guys and we were moving the chains, every snap, wide out points of the guy at the line of scrimmage if you're supposed to be on, and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. What I would explain to people is it doesn't matter. I have seen a million times a wideout line up across that blue line. I can't tell you how many times Antonio Brown lined up across that line. But he pointed at the ref. And the ref said, you're good, A.B. You're supposed to be on the line of scrimmage. You're good to go. You're killing. You're chilling. And if he is <laughs> egregiously across, guess what? He'll say, hey, take a step back, but I've still got you marked. You are good to go. To me... That's exactly what Andy Reid said. Kadarius needs to do that. I don't know how you have played through three levels of football. High school, college, the NFL. How do you not have a procedure when you were on the line of scrimmage? So mm-hmm. I just think it's a boneheaded move by Kadarius Tony. I think it speaks volumes about him, his mentality, and him as a football player. And I think it is a really bad look that the Chiefs have been this butthurt over the right call and yeah. a gaffe by Kadarius Tony. If there's anybody who should be catching flack, it's him. Because as you mentioned on last show, Carson, this isn't the first game that he's cost him. It's number two. And I just would move off from the guy. But again, I believe in the Chiefs. It's all about what you said. I believe in this defense. I believe in Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on the offensive side of the ball. The defense has been consistently great. And your X-Factor, the guy that you've been enamored with all season long, Carson, you talk about the Bills. Who's going to be the most, you know, third most important player? It's Ed Oliver. I think unequivocally, the Chiefs' second and third most important players outside of Mahomes are Kelsey and Chris Jones. But the fourth most important guy to a title run is one of your favorite uh, guys on this team, Carson. It's Rasheed Rice. I-, I want to emphasize, this receiving core is not great. It has actively lost them for yeah. football games. Yeah. All of the Chiefs. It's it's hilarious. All of the Chiefs' losses can be pinpointed on the receiving room, and yet I still have a modicum of faith in this team because of Rasheed Rice. He does it for me. Carson, he's fourth in total yards after the catch this season. He's a playmaker. Like, the depth is not great. I don't like the number three. I don't like MVS. We saw him drop a game winner. I don't like Kadarius Tony. I damn, I went to bat for him at the start of this year and last year, man, because he's so shifty and quick, but he's a dumbass, and you can't fix dumbass, so he's not good. But Rasheed does it for me. Rasheed moves the needle enough for me to still say that this team is number two with this defense, with Kelsey, with Mahomes. I'm not going to pick against the Chiefs, man. Like, I I know that it's bitten them on the ass, and I'm not saying it's not going to bite them on the ass again, but I got trust. I got trust with the Chiefs, yeah. man, and so I'm going to... 
Put them at number two. They are still uh, my favorite out of the AFC. Persuasive take. It is crazy how easily this team could be 11 and two, man. Like it is disgustingly Mm -hmm. close. I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to move Kansas city up one spot to number four, because I think their flaw is more easily overcome than the flaw of the team above them, because it really is just that sort of outlier awful receiver (laughs) play. And this offense doesn't have to be as good as previous offenses because the defense is so much better. It just has to be a legitimately consistently good offense. And I do think Mahomes can get you there. So they still have a flaw to me because that group is unreliable and because this offense hasn't been super dynamic, but yeah, they're very scary because of the exact combination that you laid out. So I'll move the chiefs up to four at number five. I have the Philadelphia Eagles who I think have taken a slide here for obvious reasons. Now, I do still think, despite what some of the stats might say, if it's their yard differential, if it's their point differential, which those are really climbing towards average despite their record, I still think the Eagles are quite good as a football team. And I think that they have the potential to be better than they've shown, especially in these last couple weeks. Still a very effective run game and still a very effective passing attack with elite weapons on the perimeter, with a quarterback who has the potential to be elite, and with the best offensive line in football. And I think the other thing that people are starting to uh, sort of write off is that they probably have more quality wins this year than anybody. Like, yes, they just got manhandled in consecutive weeks by the Niners, by the Cowboys, and we talked about it. They've been outgained significantly in four straight games before that. So, okay, that's not good. But they have beaten the Dolphins, they have beaten the Cowboys, they have beaten the Chiefs, they have beaten the Bills. Those are all teams who we're talking about here today in the upper echelons of the NFL. It's really just the defense. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I still am really impressed by the front, by the pass rush, but the linebackers are awful. The secondary is not good enough. They're 30th in points allowed per drive, man. It's just a bad defense at this point. And I think that they can get better. But I don't trust him right now to play at the level of a Dak Prescott, of a Lamar Jackson consistently. And I think with this defense, that's what the Eagles need from him if they want to seriously contend to win a Super Bowl again. So I still think it's a stacked football team, but they're not as good as last year. You can't ignore the recent trend. I'm not just fully off them. I still think they're scary, but they're flawed. And that's why they're in my flawed but scary tier, Logan. Um, I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, I have them in my exact same spot, five. Uh, they've allowed the most yards over the past five games. They've allowed the most passing touchdowns over the last five games. And they've allowed the second most total points over the last five games. And because of the defensive struggles that we've seen recently and from the start of the year, we've seen an interesting correlation on the other side. When your defense goes down in these games, uh, you know, allows a lot of points. You have to expect your quarterback and your offense to get you back in the game. You have to score more points. What has that meant? Well, that has meant that Jalen Hurts has had to go above and beyond in some of these games, and he's had to do way more than was expected of him last year, right? Last season, it was hand the ball off, let the defense do the work. I mean, literally, until the Super Bowl, uh, you said it on last show. I mean, you know, he had like 200 yards. He had a game where he had 150 yards, and they mm-hmm. won through the air. This season, we have seen games where the Eagles have gone down and Jalen Hurts has made big plays to win them games. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts isn't a playmaker. What I'm saying is he's been forced to be more aggressive this season and he's been forced to have to go out and try to make bigger plays. And what has happened because of that? Well, Hurts has way more turnovers than he did last year. And I think that's another big concern to me is that 
we can't just expect the Eagles formula to just click. You know, we've talked about it all year long. It's really encouraging that they've been able to win in different ways, but their rock solid formula from last year hasn't been there at all. It's not as easy as it was last season. So yeah, they are flawed and it's not just the defense. I think it is that Hertz has been a little more reckless and careless with the football and he's been asked to do more this season. And those are all things that are really concerning about me. And uh, as I mentioned last week, especially to hit your skid at this point in the season, they've beaten great teams. That's yeah. why I'm not going to put them in a different tier. They are still legitimate Super Bowl contenders to me. This is my tier right here, Super Bowl contenders. But uh, the Eagles are at the bottom of that uh, because of yeah. what you know what they've done the last two weeks. And again, this defense, more expectations on Jalen Hurts. I just, they are my least favorite Super Bowl contender right now. Yeah. And I think that that's fair. I also think that we are going to look at the end of this season and say, all right, the Eagles are 14 and three with some of the better wins against high level competition in football with an elite offense and with an absolutely stacked defensive front. So that's why you can't just be totally off of them. Mm -hmm. I think having them in that five spot is fair, but I can still see a world in which this team wins it all as brutal as these last couple weeks have been. So now you were already into your Super Bowl contenders tier. That's mm-hmm. basically what I have mine. Now, I do think that some of my flawed but scary teams mm-hmm. do have that sort of upside, like the Eagles, like the Chiefs. So my second tier is consistent Super Bowl contenders. Nice. And it's just a couple. Just teams that I think are very, very reliably good and consistently on that level. So who do you have one spot above Philly? Above Philly, I have the Dallas Cowboys, and I just want to – uh, flex my muscle real quick. Look, I've been very critical of the Dallas Cowboys, and that is because, as I've mentioned many times on this show, I have taken the Cowboys to do damage in the playoffs the past three mm-hmm. or four seasons. And they have done absolutely nothing but beat Tom Brady in a meaningless wild card football game. Yeah. I picked the Dallas Cowboys to win the NFC this season. So if people want to get mad at me for being skeptical about the Cowboys and the playoffs, one, again, it's just your track record. It's the reality that you live with because the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl in 30 years. But I picked the Cowboys to do it again this year. I put my chips back in on them. And guess what? They beat the Eagles. They're not going to win the NFC because I still think the Eagles might beat them out. I also still think that the not because they don't have the head-to-head win against the Niners, the Niners may beat them out. But I expected regular season success from the Cowboys. And honestly, it's been way better than I expected. I'm just not ready to do it again and say that the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. But this mm-hmm. is the most encouraged that I've been. Yeah. Dak Prescott playing the best quarterback football of any of any QB in this league, I think, this season. Uh, the wealth of talent that they have. C.D. Lamb breaking out as a number one receiver. Ferguson being an awesome release valve in Dallas. Pollard pulling his weight. The whole line looking pretty good. And then the defense is just one of the best in the league. Like, I want to do it, Dallas. I want to bite the bullet. I want to I want to take the bait, man. I want you to get me hook, line, and sinker. I'm not going to do it. I'd like to bump you up, Dallas. You burnt me a few too many times in the past. But Dallas is legit. They are a legit Super Bowl contender. I will put them in that tier. Uh, inevitably, the Dallas Cowboys will let you, me, and everybody else across the uh, collective world, uh, all Cowboys fans, they will let us down in the playoffs. It's okay. We know that's going to happen. That's just, it's just what happens, man. But... They are a top-notch Super Bowl contender, and if Dak, that to me is the biggest variable. Dak is going to have to play MVP level uh, every single game, but, I mean, he's been consistently, again, the best quarterback in football, so I don't know why we'd expect that to change. Uh, I still like other teams more. I just have more faith 
uh, in quarterback play, honestly, is, is probably a difference maker for all three teams, except the my number one team, who I just think stands head and shoulders above everybody else. So first of all, I just want to congratulate you on doing an unbelievable job of playing both sides here. Despite calling the Cowboys frauds as recently as last week, and I believe the week before that, you have managed to make this an I was right take. And I think that that's really impressive, and that's just really a master class in <laughs> spinning the angles, folks. So take notes on that. I have the Cowboys in my three spot. I think this is a really, really good football team that has been pretty dominant as of late. It's hilarious. In terms of point differential in a single season, they're like top 15 all time, that's man. I mean, insane. they're beating teams by 15 points per game. It's disgusting. Now, yes, they've had a very easy schedule, but I do think blowing out the Eagles like they did was good for legitimizing all of the progress that we have seen from them. And the difference maker to me, absolutely between this iteration and previous versions of the Cowboys is Dak Prescott playing like a top five quarterback and being this consistently great. Now, I am very interested in these next three weeks, playing the Bills, playing the Dolphins, playing the Lions. Those are three of the five best offenses that they faced this year. And we saw the Niners have a field day against them. We saw the Seahawks have a field day against them. I'm still not convinced this defense is quite as good as the numbers say. I think this pass rush is really, really legit, but I want to see how they can hold up in coverage against some of the league's most dynamic passing attacks. So I think compared to the Eagles, certainly they have the quarterback and they have the defense advantages right now. Those are meaningful. Those are going to give me more faith in them. Uh, the Chiefs, it is tough because of the theoretical upside with a Mahomes-led offense in that defense. I just think it's been so many weeks where that offense hasn't reached that ceiling, whereas the Cowboys have consistently just been playing dominant football. So I give them a slight edge there because of the consistency factor. Yeah, 100%. And uh, who knows, man? Maybe this is Maybe this is finally the year, dude. Yeah, could be. I mean, Dak at times in the past has done things to shoot them in the foot. And right now, I trust him not to do that and to go beyond that, to play at an MVP level. Yeah, here we go. Coolest cadence in the game. <laughs> Coolest cadence in the game, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. I like when teams get really creative with it. I like a LeBron, Big Mac, stuff like that really fires me up. But who do you have? Well, I think I know who it is, but in your three spot. Number three, I got the Baltimore Ravens and... I've liked the Ravens all year long. Uh, speaking of, again, we've referenced this many times when we bring up the Ravens. You talk about the Chiefs almost you know, being 11-2. and two. Again, the Ravens are also very close to having uh, yeah. a much better record. They eke one out against the Los Angeles Rams. We talked about that on last show. Uh, QB duel of the year, potentially. Uh, and I yeah. just I, I, I want to give flowers to Lamar, man. I Lamar is so, so special, dude. Yeah. I it just I still don't think he gets appreciated enough to just the growth from where he began because I think the criticisms of Lamar were real when he entered the league you know and how he played the game you, you saw it in the two playoff games when the Ravens aren't moving the ball the running game is getting stuffed by a really good run defense Lamar's turning the ball over he's holding the football like a loaf of bread and losing it and they're losing playoff games and we have seen Lamar grow in terms of decision making of pocket presence of protecting the football and to me most importantly making big throws in clutch drives you see this in mm -hmm. the rams game where he is just extending play after play making big throw after big throw and just getting them down the field and then in overtime just does it again like lamar is one of the three best qbs on planet earth i've debated i've gone between 
My top four doesn't ever really change, or excuse me, the top four names don't change. The order does from time to time. Uh, with his injury, I'm ready to, and considering that his injury history is now a legitimate concern for me moving forward in terms of if he can stay healthy, I will move Joe Burrow down to four. Uh, Lamar three, Josh Allen two, Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes one. Yeah. Lamar's a monster, man, and that's where this starts. Is He has consistently let out one of the best offenses, and he has been one of the most winning quarterbacks when he has started since he entered the NFL. And the playoff flaws that he once had when he was a young quarterback, I think he has now improved upon yep. and dispelled some of those. So I think totally. that's a huge difference maker for me with the Ravens. We also haven't seen him be fully healthy through a December the past two seasons. I think his style of play has helped that. And he hasn't dealt with any major injuries this year. So I think we should see a fully healthy Lamar Jackson heading into the playoffs. And with Lamar, I think Odell has really hit his stride. You know, at the start of the year, we talked about Todd Munkin coming in here. I think it has been a a home run on all fronts for Baltimore. Munkin reinvigorating the offense, the new weapons that they've added. Zay Flowers is super twitchy. I, I, I have loved the pickup of Odell. And I knew it, man. I wish I had been a little more strong with my Odell take at the start of the year. I always thought that, because the level that Odell was at when the Rams made that Super Bowl run was ridiculous, the level that he was still able to reach. And then mm-hmm. he tears his ACL, and I think people just kind of swept him under the rug. I knew it was going to take six to eight weeks for him to, one, build a connection with Lamar. You know, just you just need general chemistry with your quarterback. It's like the Clippers, right, getting hard, and you just need mm-hmm. games to figure that out. I think, one, it was going to take time with Odell to figure out chemistry, but it was also going to take time for him to get his body back in shape. And now that he does, this is the best the best collective group of weapons that he's had. I know Mark Andrews isn't going to be out there, but Odell, Zay is huge. The running game is always there. This is one of the best offensive lines in football. And mm-hmm. defensively, they've been stellar. Uh, despite what happened in that game against uh, Los Angeles, Baltimore statistically the number one passing defense, uh, I believe, in yards per play this season, or yards per attempt, one of those two. And they've been staunch against the run. I just don't think this Ravens team has any holes. And the one big hole that you could point to before this year was Lamar Jackson's health or Lamar Jackson's shortcomings as a passer. And I just don't think those things are real anymore. So Baltimore's not my AFC front runner, but they are a top three team in football to me. And it would not surprise me at all if Baltimore got to the big game. Well, you've articulated a lot of what I feel and why I have the Ravens at number two. And see, Logan, I can actually flex my muscles here because I haven't (laughs) called the Ravens frauds within the last couple weeks. And I can say that I had them winning the AFC in the regular season, in the preseason, and I viewed them as a top two team in the AFC overall and the most talented team in the AFC, only surpassed by my overwhelming faith in Patrick Mahomes and what he's been able to do with the Chiefs year in, year out. But you said it. This is a no-holes football team. And... That's a big distinction. The Chiefs still have a major question mark that they have to overcome, even versus the Cowboys, right? I still have more faith in Lamar than Dak, but more importantly, I think this Ravens defense is significantly more proven. I mean, they have just been consistently dominant, man. It is an elite defense on every level, stacked at every position group. They are number one in yards and points allowed per drive. Then they have a top three quarterback in football. I'm with you there as well. And praise be, you have seen the light that Josh Allen is top two again. I don't know what happened, Logan. We lost you for a few months there. We lost you. You were speaking the Joe Shiesty gospel, and it wasn't making sense to me. But you're back on the good side now, and I think that there is clearly three dudes who just year in, year out, 
are going to make you an elite offense. It doesn't matter the personnel you put around them. They reshape defenses that dramatically. They are that overwhelmingly great as individual talents, and it's Mahomes, it's Josh Allen, and you just cannot deny the body of work that Lamar Jackson has had. The massive swings mm -hmm. in that offense where without him, they're not impressive. And with him, they are always going to give you 28 points per game, be a top five scoring offense in football. And I absolutely believe now that Lamar can win an elite quarterback matchup a playoff duel through the air in a way that we hadn't seen him do before and that I wasn't as confident in before. And you're right about the health too. Like, Lamar's running a little bit less to begin with, but he's so much smarter as a runner. Like, he's going to get his 10 yards, right? Maybe he makes one dude miss and he can get upfield quickly just with his next level speed. But overwhelmingly, he's not taking hits on the end of these runs. He's just getting down. He's getting down or he's getting out of bounds. And I think that long-term, that's definitely good for him. And then this overall... Rushing attack is as dominant as ever. They're first in rushing yards, second in rushing touchdowns, first in rushing yards per attempt. The line is great. So it's just a great football team. It is a great football team, unit to unit, with that sort of elite quarterback talent. And I think there's only one team that I could have above them right now where I say they have no holes and they are just even more overwhelmingly stacked. But I love these Ravens and I do think we're going to see them in the Super Bowl this year. I'm... You know, I, I I hate Baltimore with a passion, but I've like yeah. I like I like watching Baltimore play football, and I, I can't see you it. Not? I I can't see the I can see the vision. Did you was Baltimore in your Super Bowl in preseason? No, I had the Chiefs beating them in the AFC Championship. I'm trying to remember exactly what I had. I had. I think you had the Steelers winning more games than the Ravens, but I don't know if we need to key in on that. I don't really want to talk about that. <laughs> okay, but. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your life sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Number one, Logan, I know I have them in my own tier. 
Say and I believe so do you I. do as well. Why are the Niners so clearly the best team in football again? Number one, Super Bowl front runners. Here's the Niners. Here's the gap. And then there's everybody mm. else. Like, mm. I know we got away from it for a couple of weeks because the Niners hit that skid, but yeah. it's everything, man. It's 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 everything. Offensively, they're the number three scoring offense. They are number one in terms of yards per play. Tied with Miami. Miami and San Francisco are the only two offenses in football above six yards per play. And they are a almost a full yard ahead. I mean, ridiculous. A full yard ahead of number three. This is the number one scoring defense. They're number five against the pass and number eight against the rush in terms of yards per attempt. And it's just like, I, I don't know. It's like we said with Baltimore. Like, I don't think they have any holes. But mm-hmm. with that, I mean, they just have the best weapons in the game and yeah i don't know i mean i've seen some niners fans kind of get pressed because it's so weird to me carson in this new age man we can't just disagree anymore there can't be a Mm. a gray area there's Mm. no gray area it's either Mm. black or white you're either and what i mean by this is you're either brock purdy is Mm -hmm. ass and he's fully uh He's just made by all of his weapons, or mm-hmm. Brock Purdy is the best quarterback in the game. Why aren't you giving him enough credit? Yeah. Uh, he's so much better than what everybody's saying. Well, again, I think that the answer is in the healthy middle ground. I don't think it's either of these things are true. I do think Brock Purdy is playing better than people give him credit for. I don't think people give him enough credit, but when you watch these games, it's like, well, damn, man. Like, Brock's processing the game really well. He's really accurate. He makes really good decisions. He's on time. He doesn't get panicked. He's extremely calm. He also moves really well. He extends plays. Most of his plays, man, are he's making a good decision. And I'm not going to mm-hmm. fault that because that's hard to do. You see Mitch Trubisky make bad decisions every Sunday. Every football game you watch him play. Yeah. There's a luxury in having a guy that makes good decisions. But Brock is, you know, for the most part, hitting checkdowns. He's hitting drags. He's hitting guys who are open. And then Debo's going to work. George Kittle's going to work. Ayuk's going to work. I wrote this down somewhere. I Oh, no, yeah, it's here. Debo is 7th in yards after the catch. Uh, uh, Kittle is 19th in yards after the catch. This is total on the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this list that I got only extended to 25 names. But I guarantee if you look a little further down that list, Brandon Ayuk is somewhere on there. Christian, I think McCaffrey is 25. I, I was going to say, Christian McCaffrey is somewhere on that list. So... Brock Purdy is phenomenal. Uh, I did my rankings today when I did my uh, Mitch Trubisky video. If you guys want to check that out, I listed 96 quarterbacks. I take over Mitch Trubisky. The list actually probably goes to like 120 maybe. Oh, uh, settle if, down. Settle down. Josh Rosen was on the list. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Kaiser yep. was on the list. Yep. 44-year-old Josh McCown was on the list. 60-year-old Vinny Testaverde rounded yeah. out the list, man. There were some reaches there, pal. Kyle Trask? What has Kyle Trask done? Trey Lance? I don't know. I mean, they can't Settle be worse down. than Mitch Trubisky, man. They can. Uh, and it, most of them are. <laughs> At number eight, uh, I have Brock Purdy. And so, yeah, I think he's top ten. I think Brock does a lot of great things. Mm. I think he extends plays. I think he makes good decisions. He's accurate. He's just not an upper echelon elevator. And that's okay. We don't have to treat Brock like he's that guy. But Brock's a very... We also don't have to treat Brock like he's made by his weapons solely. We can give Brock his credit where his credit is due. And we don't have to go over the top. I don't think he's the MVP. I don't think he's the best quarterback in football. I don't think he's played like that. But Brock is damn good for this team. And he doesn't limit them. Uh, And I trust Brock 
to be consistent enough on a game-to-game basis to where he doesn't hold this team back. So I think you're absolutely right that there is a middle ground to be had with Brock Purdy. I personally don't think he should be MVP because I think if you look at a guy like Dak Prescott, he is doing more with less. He is leading an equally dominant team offense with weapons that aren't as elite as what the Niners have, with coaching that isn't as elite. I think he is making more impressive, really high-level throws. There's only one MVP. So to me, saying that Brock Purdy shouldn't be the MVP isn't some sort of disparaging, slanderous comment to make. The one thing that is starting to get on my nerves a little bit with the Purdy conversation, even though I agree that just because his statistical production might be that of the best quarterback in football, that doesn't mean that he is, is that everybody is holding him to such a high standard because of how great the Niners are. That it's like nobody is judging him as a second-year quarterback and everybody is judging him as MVP frontrunner. And they are saying, oh, he is not the reason that the Niners are great. Which, by the way, I agree with. He absolutely deserves credit because it's not just that he's accurate and that he's on time and super efficient as a passer, the things that you say. He's also relatively athletic, solid extending plays, and he's got big balls, dude. Yeah, he's aggressive. Yeah. He pushes the ball downfield, and sometimes that leads to mistakes, but for the most part, it's been a positive for this team. So Brock Purdy is really good, but this Niners team is so absurdly stacked that you would have to say, well, yeah, being a top three defense in football, the number one scoring defense, well, that's probably more central to their success than Brock Purdy. And then having the best offensive coach combined with legitimately maybe the best collections of weapons that we've ever seen on one offense. I want to have that conversation with you later, Logan. That's probably two. And then Brock Purdy being a really good quarterback, being a top 10 kind of quarterback, is number three. So he gets credit. Maybe he's not the driving factor. But in terms of a second-year quarterback, in his 18 starts, Logan, he has thrown for 4,751 yards, 36 touchdowns to nine interceptions with a 15-3 and record. We were doing that trivia last week on guys with a passer rating of 100-plus through their first two seasons, and Brock Purdy was still out there on the board, and I was reading off his stats to you, and you were like, who is this guy? He sounds like the GOAT. So I think if you look at that pace, I mean, through if that were just his rookie season, and now he is into year two, but he didn't start for most of his rookie season, that would break the rookie passing yards record. That would break the rookie passing touchdown record. Only three quarterbacks ever have one MVP in their second season, that being Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Dan Marino. These just above and beyond all-time sort of talents. So that's just what bums me out a little bit about Brock, is that he's such a hot-button topic, and he's on such a dominant team, and his statistical production is so great that we can't just all acknowledge that he's good and he's exceptionally, exceptionally, maybe even historically good for a second year quarterback. Cause how many second year guys are top 10 quarterbacks? That's tough, man. Who like was we have the last outlier. pick in the draft, man. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And instead everything has to be framing of, is he overrated yeah. or underrated? So that's where I come down on it. He's playing good football. No, he is not the driving factor behind them being so great, but he's doing his job really really well and this overall team bro it's just disgusting they have a plus 13.4 point differential that's number 20 in a single season since the merger now i mentioned the cowboys are above them but eight of the 18 teams above those two who have finished their season have won the super bowl it's a pretty good track record they are third in rushing yards second in rushing touchdowns fourth in rushing yards per attempt and 
First in passing yards per attempt, third in passing yards, second in touchdowns. It's just disgusting. And there are top five offense situationally across the board, third down, fourth down, and in the red zone. It is easily, to me, the most stacked offense in football, even more so than the Dolphins. And those are two teams that have incredible coaching edges as well. But then the difference, of course, on top of that is that they have the number one scoring defense, their third in turnovers forced, they get pressure, they have elite linebackers, they have an improved secondary. I mean, they're just a juggernaut. And the only oh, yeah. thing that can trip them up, to me, is if maybe they do go down a key offensive player. Like that stretch we saw oh, yeah. where Debo was hurt, where Trent Williams was hurt, and Brock does start to press, and he has to do a little bit more, and that's when the turnovers can start to pop up. But unless he does have that sort of pressure on him and regresses because of that, it's hard for me to see anybody else winning the Super Bowl this year. It really is. The Niners are that great. Yeah, and I just want to shout out some of the unsung heroes of this Niners team that get lost in the shuffle because we do get caught up. Purdy, McCaffrey, Debo, IU, Kittle. We shout out all these guys. I mean, you shout out Trent Williams. I mean, it's a death sentence, dude. If you don't have a right end that can set the edge against this team, Aaron Banks and Trent Williams are going to take you to church every down, and McCaffrey's going to – they're not going to need Brock. You know what I mean? Like – so shout out Trent Williams, shout out Aaron Banks, shout out this defense, man. Young, Hargrave, Bosa, Greenlaw, Warner. It's disgusting, dude. The Niners are disgustingly loaded. Do you want to have that discussion as like a, a full show, that weapons discussion, or do you got any teams at the top of your head right yeah. now? I do have some at the top of my head. And I want to ask you about this. Are we just saying skill position talent, or is quarterback included in the discussion? No, I think we got to just look at skill position talent because it's a question of what's around yeah, yeah. Brock. The first team that I think of, kind of, it's actually ridiculous that we are having these conversations with these these kind of teams. Mm -hmm. First team I think of has to be greatest show on turf. Of course. Um, you know, you've got uh, Falk, you've got uh, Bruce, you got Holt. Next team I think of is the 0-4 Colts. With yep. Edron James, with a thousand yard Stokely, Reggie Wayne, uh, Marvin Harrison, and Dallas Clark. The next team mm -hmm. I think of is, um, oh, who did I? I just had him on top of my head, man. Who are there any other ones that uh that, that come to the top of your head? So those are the first two that I had down. The next one on my short list was the '98 Vikings because that's, I think oh, it's that's ex with uh, with Robert Smith, right? Robert exactly. Smith, who was playing at a really, really high level at the running back position, and then they had one of the best receiver tandems ever with Chris Carter and Randy Moss. Those were the three who I had mm -hmm. down. I can't think of a group that has ever had four studs like this. Yeah, though. buddy. McCaffrey is the best running back in football. Debo is probably the best after-the-catch weapon in football. And Tyreek makes a case right because of his blinding speed, but Tyreek also does so much getting open before the catch way downfield. When you consider Debo's speed with his physicality, how he bounces off tackles with his shiftiness, he is something different. Ayuk, unbelievable, like borderline all pro level receiver. George Kittle, I would say a top two tight end in football. It's just inconceivable offensive talent so i think that this is number one i really do i mean falk bruce holt you've got three unbelievable studs i think when you mm, look at the 04 colts mm, edge marvin mm. reggie you've got three unbelievable studs brandon stokely i'm sorry not at the level of any of these niners dudes we're talking about dallas clark wasn't quite himself yet who are you thinking is there somebody else or do you disagree wow uh, i just don't know if 
04 Colts is tough. I don't know if I can put him over that. And then I was going to say, with the 98 Vikings, too, it's tough. I just look, Jake Reed only plays 11 games. Jake Reed was an 1,000-yard receiver the previous three yeah. seasons to that with Robert Smith. So when you have the three-headed monster with Debo Ayuk and Kittle, you also have Reed, Moss, Carter, and Smith. Yeah. I, dude, I think you're right, old, though. though. I, I think you're right. I, I don't. The toughest one for me is the 04 Colts because of the depth of their weapons. Top-notch weapons. It's got to be the Rams. Wow, I I didn't think I was going to agree with you on this. I think you're right. I, I think yeah. I would take. That's crazy. I, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna rack my brain after this. I'm gonna see if we can. That might be a nice little TikTok to do, man. Offenses that are up there, skill position, talent wise, with the Niners. It's unbelievable. I want to think of somebody better. I can't right now, man. It's hard, and that's the other thing that's going to be annoying about this Purdy conversation is there are people who it feels like are hypercritical but i also know that if he wins the super bowl i mean his statistical production is going to be outstanding and there is a real struggle to attribute credit and fault among sports fans in general <laughs> and we are absolutely going to see that if they win the super bowl which i expect them he's to, going to be tom freaking brady people are going to say he's brady people are going to say he's the best quarterback in football people will look down the camera and say that he is better than patrick mahomes that he is better than josh allen that he's better than lamar jackson just you wait and he's not going to be. And you can be really good without that. Like I saw Ben Solak post a video. Great video. Great video. Ben Solak is just the man, dude. He does unbelievable film breakdowns. Him and, of course, our boy Theo. They're my two favorites oh, yeah. out there. Oh, yeah. But it's this play where Purdy makes the right play. He takes a check down. And then Debo makes an unbelievable run after the catch for 30 yards. And Ben Solak's just like, who else gets to do that? It's ridiculous. And I saw one of our friends who's a Niners fan quote tweet it being like, when have we ever seen hating at this level? And I'm like, it's not hating. It's an observation. Like, you're looking at this from a distorted <laughs> perception. It's an accurate description of what's happening. The game two weeks ago, Purdy had three touchdowns, which were entirely unbelievable plays after the catch. There's just a middle ground here that I hope we can land on. Stephen Rees, another ringer guy, along with Ben Solak, tweeted out this chart. Brock Purdy, if you just took his passes behind the line of scrimmage, would lead the league in yards per attempt. Wow. He's averaging 8.8 .8 yards per attempt on passes behind the line of scrimmage. Wow. Next is Mahomes, I think, at like six. So there's just an honest conversation to be had where we acknowledge that he's really good and we acknowledge that he's in one of the most privileged offensive situations ever and they are very likely going to win the Super Bowl and he will play a part in that, but that doesn't make him the GOAT. That's my take on Brock Purdy. Bang! Bang! All right. Any final thoughts, Logan, before we get out of here? You crush that. I got nothing else. Thanks, man. Mitch Trubisky's not a top 96 quarterback. Go yeah. check out that TikTok Logan made. Honestly, pretty absurd. Were there any other <laughs> insane names that I left off? Deshaun Kaiser. When I heard Deshaun Kaiser, I said, what? Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser didn't get a has fair an shot, man. NFT company now, bro. We were in Nashville, and he, we were supposed to have a meeting with him about his NFT company. He hasn't played football in six years, and he was one of the worst starters I've ever seen. We talked about him as being the worst day one starter in the last six, seven years on a show this year. And can you believe Mitch Trubisky is worse than him? He's not. <laughs> How is he employed? Unbelievable. Unbelievable, Logan. You know, I think if they actually did trot Mason Rudolph out there, you might walk oh back some God. of your takes. Dude, I would do a... I've watched Mason Rudolph play. He's better. Duck Hodges, just, actually, you claim, yes, is better. I have a final... Yes, fine. Let me say my piece about the Steelers and Mitch real quick. All right. 
Landry Jones made me want to tear my eyes out as a Steelers fan, and I thought we couldn't get worse. So then we got Mason Rudolph, and I wanted to tear my eyes out, and I thought we couldn't get any worse, and I missed Landry Jones. And then we got Duck Hodges, and I like Duck Hodges a fair amount more than Mason Rudolph. I was actually quite distraught when we let him go. But I thought, oh, it can't get worse than a guy named Duck Hodges, right? And then we signed Mitch Trubisky. And I can't watch Steelers games anymore. And now I yearn for the days of Mason Rudolph and Landry Jones. That's pathetic and sad. Duck Hodges sucked, Logan. No, he, he sucked. I watched him win us a game, man. He averaged 133 yards per game with five touchdowns to eight picks. He won us games, man. He was a dog. He oh. was a duck. All right, he was a duck at the end of the day. <laughs> and Mason Rudolph's a racist. And so Mitch Trubisky's a lame duck. And Landry Jones, bro? Landry Jones? Landry, Landry Jones was the best damn backup we had since Charlie Batch. Ain't that sad? Ain't that sad? They all suck. But at the end what? of the day, I think Trubisky is the most capable. But Landry, all right. Landry. All right, man. There you go scintillating discourse about guys who are somewhere between the 80th and 100th best quarterbacks available. If you want more conversation like that, you can always find our full shows on YouTube with video at the nerd sesh page. You can also listen to the podcast across audio platforms. You can follow us on social TikTok and Instagram at nerd sesh, Twitter at nerd underscore sesh for clips from the show and for trivia content. You can also check out our merch it's the holiday season, so uh, thevolume.com, Logan doing the two-hat look there, nerd sesh on top, that's tough. We've got flags, we've got shirts, we've got hoodies, check it all out. At our link tree as well, you can get to thevolume.com, and from there, you can get to our Discord if you want to join, talk NFL, NBA, be part of our community there. So, with that, as always, appreciate you guys. Logan's hair has been exposed. No! That little. That little tuft on his head has been revealed to the world. That's eight months of growth, folks. <laughs> All of that just for it to be covered up by a toupee in a matter of weeks. No. Yeah. And with that, as always, I've been Carson Brabber. I'm going to wear a toupee. And this was Nerd Sash. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 
6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.